Hi. It's Caitlin Brodnick. And Sue Smith. And we have a new podcast called Scam, Scam wow. wow. The podcast about scams. We love scams. If you think about it, everything's a freaking scam. Honestly, America's a scam. America is a scam, but it's not about politics, don't worry. No, 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 no. no. We hate politics, but we love con artists. We love- Swindlers. Yes, criminals. Nice criminals. In multi-level marketing. Yeah, you could call them like powerful women, or you could call them like swindlers. Crooks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen to our new podcast, Scam Wow, on Apple Podcasts. Wherever podcasts are sold or listened to are free. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Welcome to My Vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And I'm Rebecca Frank. And here we are again having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, you fools. It's definitely researched. Uh, I would just like to say that um, for all of our listeners, I have been reading that same thing that I say at every single episode each time that we record it because my memory is for shit. But that time, I did it from my brain. Oh, yay. Yeah, it only took a year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as you all know, the midterms happened. There are some uh, mixed feelings where there's some happiness and some lack of happiness about the midterms, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the things that happened was uh, Trump fired Jeff Sessions. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, appointed this guy, Matt Whitaker, to his place. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to say is that I read this thing about Matt Whitaker where he was found, he was on the record as saying at some sort of like conservative, whatever, something or like meeting or whatever, uh, about <laughs> whatever what he, conservatives whatever do. they do in their whatever spare rooms time. they are. In. Yeah, exactly. About how uh, he was asked a question about who should, who should be eligible to be a judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically said only people who whose religion is based off of the new testament which basically means that muslims and jews are not allowed to according to matt whitaker who's the acting attorney general uh muslims and jews are not qualified because we don't we don't have uh the right foundation for making decisions dude what happened to separation of church and state isn't that like at the supposed to be at the core of our fucking i mean establishment yeah allegedly, allegedly except that there's all of these courthouses that have the fucking 10 commandments on yeah. the wall which is i mean it never awful. has but yeah. it's it's so flagrant now yeah they're not even trying so that's the fucked up thing the bad fucked up thing about matt whitaker but this is the really super awesome thing that i've been dying to tell jesse about <laughs> um so you know everybody has different you know depending on if you're on the what side what side of the aisle you're on i guess uh people have different feelings about matt whitaker and his appointment but the one question that everyone seems to be asking is uh what is a big dick toilet what is a big dick toilet oh oh wait wait can i guess can i guess can i yeah, guess please can tell I guess? me please okay, tell me okay okay is it when you have such a big dick that your the tip of your dick hits the water, so they want the water to be lower and the the bowl to be deeper? Yes, indeed. Cool. I've yes. dated white men, <laughs> so um, <laughs> who have told me that to like point out that they have a big dick, and I'm like, cool, congratulations. Yeah, exactly. All I right. know All it right, touches John my Hamm. cervix, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so before Whitaker uh, became in the world of in the Trump universe, he sat on the board of. The Miami-based company World Patent Marketing, which peddled products such as the Masculine Toilet, which is designed to help well-endowed men keep their big old dicks out of the toilet bowls. 
Oh my God. Yeah. So I'll bet you, listen, I'm yeah. sorry, just because I have to, I guarantee. So that, so these men are designing these toilets mm-hmm. so that they can mm-hmm. sit down and pee. I'll bet mm-hmm. you they still leave the fucking seat up when they pee standing up. Oh, for sure. For sure. Big pet pee. Because it's all about their dicks. <laughs> and you falling in the toilet is not about their dick. Right. A press release for the product uh, reads, the average male genitalia is between five and six inches. However, this invention is designed for those of us who measure longer than that. To solve the pressing dick in the toilet problem, uh, this company, which is called Invent Village, which is behind the masculine toilet, claims that its product allows a full 12 inches of space between the rim of the shitter and the water. Jesus, God. But if you need a toilet bowl with, um, with a full foot of space, don't worry about it. They have an extra long version, <laughs> just in case. Mm-hmm. Whose penis is larger than 12 inches? This guy that wrote this thing on Reddit, apparently. <laughs> so he said, so, you also, know. Also, ow. Right? Yeah. So this guy on Reddit said that some men do struggle if they have very long penises. Uh, and he said, in a public restroom, I put a little folded up toilet paper on the toilet seat and just lay my penis on it. And another person. <laughs> and then another guy wrote, no, I don't think you have to have a very long penis to do that. I don't. I just do it. <laughs> In for the win is yeah, average dick. Exactly. And then this other guy said that he puts on a condom if he's shitting in public. Oh, my Just God. A whole other thing. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, so our our current sit acting attorney general used to be on the board of the masculine toilet. I'm going to make a feminine toilet. Right? How much you want to toilet put? seat is stapled to <laughs> the it's just like built it's just a built-in <laughs> toilet seat yeah how much you want to bet matt whitaker has a tiny dick everything <laughs> yeah. do your balls hang low can you swing them to and fro can you tie them in a knot can you tie them in a bow talk about today we are going to talk about fosta sesta and just as a warning you can say it fosta sesta or sesta fosta mm-hmm. we're going to try to be consistent with fosta sesta but i've been saying it the other way so i might fuck up sometimes <laughs> but it's the it's the same thing no matter which way you order it fosta is the house bill and sesta is the senate bill and they were packaged together as one thing also just before we get started there will be talk about sex trafficking, small trigger warning here. So FOSTA was the House bill, which is Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, and SESTA, which is the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. Yeah, and that's from the Senate. This bill was intended to curb sex trafficking, but the language of the legislation is so incredibly loose that it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. It leaves a lot of room also to impact all of our lives, especially the lives of sex workers. I mean, Jesse, you can talk a little bit about your own experience with being silenced specifically since this but even before people that were offended by some of the things that you've done oh yeah god my stuff gets fucking flagged all the time yeah it's it's censorship and in the world that we're living with in in right now who's attempting to just silence journalists it scares me even on the small scale of welcome my vagina which is already noticing repercussions i have the camel toe music video and if anybody who has watched that knows it's actually really pg <laughs> yeah if you haven't seen it, it is posted up on our instagram you can find it there for now you can yeah yeah that's true um because it was taken off of youtube so it was flagged by somebody and then removed from youtube um because they said it didn't meet their community guidelines and that 
and under their guidelines, it says no pornography, no nudity, um, no sexually provocative content. This is a 55-second video of three girls joking about their camel toes. Yeah. Meanwhile, still up on YouTube are Justin Timberlake's Dick in a Box and I'm a Mother Lover, which talks about, you know, Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake fucking each other's moms. And not only are their videos up, but also people spoofing their videos or imitating their videos are also up. Yeah. And I think that Dick in a Box should stay on the internet, but yeah. so should a camel toe video. Totally. And so the standards by which this is being applied, it's almost as if they don't want to take down the content of, of mainstream artists because if they get someone like Justin Timberlake being mm -hmm. like, what the fuck, maybe everyone, maybe people will actually know what's going on. They're kind of going in sneaky style. They are, but also like in our society, what's more offensive? Uh, three girls talking about their labia or three dudes talking about a dick in a box? And right. it's not even offensive. It's who's going to... Nobody's going to flag these white dudes fucking talking about their dicks in a box. Right. But they will flag some girls talking about their labias. Yeah, like, like Patreon won't mm -hmm. kick off a site that's selling penis enlargement pills, but will kick off People our logo kick off kick off welcome to my vagina because of the logo which apparently a, a vulva with eyes apparently is incredibly offensive which is so and tune in also denied us because of the logo which is frustrating to me because most people on patreon are 18 and over and even if they aren't first of all everyone should know what an anatomically correct vulva looks like and second of all it's a fucking cartoon it's not a shot of my actual vulva <laughs> and if any kid who didn't know what a vulva was yet would just think it's a monster yeah. Like a fun, happy little monster. Cutest little monster. Yeah, it's the cutest little monster in the world. It's got arms and legs and eyes for crying out loud. Yeah. Like it's it's so it's so absurd. So basically what this does is, you know, on the first level, it makes it a criminal offense to knowingly assist or facilitate sex trafficking online and allows online services to be prosecuted for doing so. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really big change because mm -hmm. it used to be that that third parties, which are us, which would be the users. We're, we would be held accountable for our own actions. So if, if somebody were to uh, try and advertise a trafficked person, they would be held accountable for placing that ad. But the organization hosting the ad would not be held accountable for mm -hmm. it because a lot of these companies are so large, they don't, they don't necessarily look at every single thing that's put up for individual approval. So the change is that now those organizations are held accountable for whatever appears on their sites Mm -hmm. which means that they can be punished for the actions of their users. Yeah. They were generally protected under Section 230, which is what you were explaining, which was one of the most important pieces of Internet legislation ever created. Pa another reason why this is a big change is that it's not, it's not only sex workers who will be punished, as Jesse said earlier, for the actions related to their work, which is a really huge conversation in terms of uh, legality of sex work and stuff like that that um, we would love to have. But this will filter down to include a crackdown on all sex work related communications mm -hmm. uh, and that's the way that sex workers for example make their work work safer and share information sort of like a whisper network with other sex workers the legislation also carries a penalty of up to 25 years in federal prison for anyone who runs an internet service with the intent to promote or facilitate the prostitution of another person mm. so that's the internet service itself and the person who would run whatever place the advertisements are placed on yeah and websites are now being pressured into deleting this content because they're trying they're afraid to get on the bad side of this law uh, that congress passed in march and the president signed into law in april 
uh, 11th of 2018. And if you look around, you can already start seeing the effects of what's happening. Survivoragainstsesta.org has the best up-to-date list of web platforms affected, best by my terms. So, <laughs> right. And also, um, I found this on American Sex Podcast. Over the last couple of weeks, the following has occurred. Google Drives have been disabled for obscene material. Reddit closed a number of their subreddits, including Escort, Sugar Daddy. They also removed or severely restricted guns, cannabis, craft beers, and herbal supplements like Kratom. Craft beers? Craft beers. What is wrong with craft beers? I don't, that's what I'm saying is like now it's getting to the point where the internet and all the providers are scrambling around because they don't know what does and doesn't fit because of how the bill is, right. has been introduced. They also disallowed using obscene language on Xbox and Skype, and they mm -hmm. say they can listen in on your private conversation in order to check, which is awful. Right. Amazon.com stripped erotica books. Dominatrix.com shut down. Pounce.org, the furry website, shut down, which I didn't know about, but that's also sad. They need love, too. It also might impact dating apps soon. Wow. Yeah. There's been Not whispers surprising. of that, which is crazy. Yeah. And I mean, and also if, if you're taking away like things like Skype or video chat, what about people who are long distance relationships or if mm -hmm. your partner is away, things like that are going to are, are not looking too hot. Yeah. So I found this uh, blog by this by this guy named uh, Jonathan Corbett. It's called professional professional dash troublemaker.com. So he got an email on the day that the that this law passed that there had been an update to the terms of service for Microsoft. So he read the full text of the agreement and he found a change that said, quote, don't publicly display or use the services to share inappropriate content or material involving, for example, nudity, bestiality, pornography, offensive language, graphic violence, or criminal activity. You know, so then you, you start wondering, how are they going to enforce it? Do they watch your Skype se mm -hmm. sessions? So when investigating alleged violations of these terms, Microsoft reserves the right to review your content in order to resolve the issue. So... Yes, it's clear. So this makes it really clear that Microsoft is reserving the right to cancel to cancel an account whenever they feel like it, but they don't actually define what they mean by offensive language. You know, you can go online and flag people's language for anything just because you don't like them, because like people are flagging trans activists and LGBTQ content left and right because they're offended by that lifestyle. This was supposed to go into effect in January 2019, but they're retro they're being retroactive about it. Online platforms are already taking action. And if you've noticed, you've been getting a lot of terms of service updates. I mean, mm -hmm. check anything from Venmo to Mailchimp. Start looking at your emails because it is getting real. Yeah. So, yeah, so none of this stuff actually defines anything. And, and part of the reason these companies are not defining offensive language is because the law is written so loosely mm -hmm. that they don't have the information. And so in order to cover their asses, they're basically like, well, if we think that it might fit, then we're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. So, OK, so now they can basically all these companies can reserve the right to go through your private data to make sure that you are not violating whatever these terms and conditions are. And so after this guy wrote this blog post and he posted it on Reddit to share with people what was happening, he got banned from the subreddit, the Microsoft subreddit, because he shared the story. Yeah. So you can't it's you can't even share what's happening without being banned because for some because that might be offensive content. Yeah. Like we might be banned right now for this episode. What happens to podcasting? after this it's really scary i mean to back up for a second in case you need to know where we stand on this issue or at least not to speak for rebecca but um i think we're pretty much on the same page mm -hmm. um obviously sex trafficking is appalling and awful and bad um and it needs to be cracked down on and in the best possible world stopped altogether 
But as far as prostitution and consensual work, it should be treated like any other job. There should be safety measures put in place. There should be an HR department. It should be taxed. You know, put that should be put into order in order to prevent things like sex trafficking and abuse and safety reasons, including STDs. Right. Um, what you do with your body is your fucking choice mm-hmm. as long as you're not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, why is porn okay because there's a camera and two consenting adults behind right. closed doors is not? To reinforce that, obviously, we don't want trafficking and we don't want specific uh, of anybody, specifically of children. Mm-hmm. But by doing this, by forcing all of these people offline, you're also you're also closing off windows for law enforcement to find trafficked people, whether mm-hmm. they be women, men, boys, girls, anybody. Yeah, you, you there was a direct line for for police and FBI or whatever to be able to find out who was doing this and to to recover those people and bring them to safety. And now by putting all these people underground, they have to find ways around it, which makes it harder for the police to do their job and to keep these people safe. Yeah, this is historic. Like they're hoping that if they ban everything that they will eradicate sex trafficking. And historically that's never worked. The networking executive director of Freedom Network USA, a coalition of anti-trafficking advocates said, shutting down every service provider and website will not end sex trafficking. What it will do is push traffickers to overseas websites that are beyond the reach of law enforcement, making it harder to prosecute them and harder to find them through the victims. You look at sex workers. So with with the advent of of Craigslist personals and Backpage, and, and again, we're not saying that that places like Backpage have been completely innocent, wonderful companies through all of this. They've done some really fucked up things. But there, we have a real problem in this country with throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> and, so, and so if you look at the way that the sex work industry has evolved with the use of the internet, what you end up with is sex workers who are safer because they're able to vet their potential clients. There's a whisper network among sex workers. They can learn who is unsafe, who they shouldn't, communicate with and if you are forced outside and you're forced onto the streets if you know if that's your only option Mm -hmm. you don't have the same opportunity to vet people to ask for references to you know make your terms clear and you don't have the time to determine what your level of safety is going to be yeah i mean at the core of the problem of this is that the law conflates both sex work and sex trafficking Mm -hmm. and you have organizations like the aclu and the efff did i say three f's yeah you said so many f's (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, and millions of sex workers that are saying this is not what what we need. It's a horrible, harmful, deeply flawed law, and it's not going to help really much. Like we said, it's going to just push sex trafficking into darker corners where we can't get to the real, like we can't really help. Right. And and the way that it's written, there's, okay, there's no way to penalize child offenders and pedophiles while at the same time... um, not impacting adults who choose to engage in the sex work industry. So mm-hmm. the way that they do it, it's everything or nothing. So pedophiles are treated exactly the same way as consenting adults. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, <laughs> I, I, I just like. <laughs> Sorry, it's your face. It's I, not the idea of it. It's, my brain just explodes every time I think about it. Yeah. It really does. I found this study that was put out in September of 2017 between West Virginia University and Baylor University. And it combined um, professors in the economics department and the information systems department. And they analyzed the rates of female homicides in various cities, both before and after Craigslist entered the market for erotic services. And the authors found that a seven that there was a 17% decrease in homicides with female victims after Craigslist erotic services were introduced. Mm-hmm. That means 17% less women killed because of Craigslist uh, erotics. Yeah. So 
why why could that be? So there's you know one one of the authors posited that perhaps sex work was seen as uh, a possibility for women who needed financial independence. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they got out of a domestic violence situation and they were able to leave an abusive relationship. But more likely than not, a majority of female homicide victims in these environments were sex workers. And so when sex workers have a safer work work environment, the homicide rate drops considerably. Yeah. So the safety of sex, sex workers makes women safer full stop. Yeah. Yeah. Ginger Banks is a sex worker who's become really outspoken about this new bill. And she said full service sex workers are already at a higher risk of being murdered due to their job and taking away resources to screen the violent clients is just going to make that worse. And it makes so much sense. And it's so simple, but like, obviously like people can be vetted better online and now they're being pushed out into the real world like uh, and, and not to do a quote after a quote but laura lamoon who's a sex trafficking survivor and writer says pimps seem to be coming out of the woodwork since all this happened and they're taking advantage of the situation that sex workers are in and this is why she thinks sesta Fosta or fosta sesta has actually increased trafficking right, because she has pimps con- yeah she has pimps contacting her and they're fucking leeches that make money off of sex workers misfortune yeah. and then also to kind of bring it to another level so we have uh, an academic paper. We have a former sex trafficking victim. And now we have this woman, um, Kristen D'Angelo, who's the executive director of the Sex Worker Outreach Program, which mm-hmm. is based in Sacramento. She referenced a study that was conducted in 2015 in which researchers interviewed 44 sex workers following the closing of San Francisco Red Book. And of those interviewed, 18% said that they were forced to move outdoors. Mm. Um, She said that of that 18%, almost, and this is a quote from uh, Kristen D'Angelo, of that 18%, almost every one of them had been raped since they'd been out there. We had been asking them, have you been raped? Mm -hmm. But there was a point when I wanted to say, have you been raped yet? Because it was just that prevalent. And so, you know, we're not only... We're not only talking about homicide rates, we're talking about violence against women. We're talking about physical abuse and sexual abuse. Mm. Just because someone works in the sex industry does not mean that they're consenting to sex all the time with whoever, wherever, whenever, however. Yeah. Sex workers have just as ri- a big of just as much of a right to say no as anybody else, and it is really upsetting. Yeah. that we are having a conversation right now that a law that was just put on the books is putting women in danger of death and rape mm-hmm. and and that there's no subsequent law to try and protect them because yeah. what they're doing according to the law is illegal and so the government doesn't care about their safety anymore yeah there's a sex work blog on tits and sass and they said that, great name. isn't it yeah um but they said that there have been reports of 13 sex workers that have gone missing and who have been confirmed dead countless others have been reportedly assaulted and raped as you were saying and they say this is a result of being pushed offline and back into the streets to find work so we always want to blame republicans but this was started with bilateral support from both houses. The impetus of this bill actually came from Democrats, and it was passed 97 to 2. So nobody wants to be that person who supports sex trafficking. So it's right. the way that it's worded is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, this bill was primarily sponsored by Democrats. Uh, Swami Hunt, uh, a billionaire oil-funded heiress, who started with probably good intentions, but then it kind of uh, snowballed and Amy Schumer, Ashton Kutcher, and Tom Dart got on board. Tom Dart is that person who like takes sex workers to ball games, I guess, to try to get them on board. He started the John School. 
I've never even heard of it. Okay, so the John School is if you're a client who gets caught purchasing sex work, they send you to a John School to lecture you and shame you. Wow. Yeah. That's really something. So, yeah, all these liberal Hollywood darlings that everyone's always so mad about how liberal Hollywood is, well, they're, it's not, you know, this goes to show you that it can come from both sides. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're just as guilty. (laughs) Yeah. So Senator Claire McCaskill, the Democrat, Mm -hmm. um, said uh, in talking about the dudes from Backpage, she said, these are the bad guys. They were making millions of dollars off the backs of children being sold for sex. And I'm not for one minute going to let them get away with acting like they're the good guys. Mm -hmm. And so that just this is one of those things. It's the second that you say we're talking about the trafficking of children. Mm -hmm. People don't go through necessarily with a fine tooth comb to make sure that this is a very specifically written bill. Right. Try and help children and adults who are victims of sex trafficking. This was basically just like. We can push this through with bipartisan support, with probably majority support of the American population, because people don't read the legislation, Mm-mm. and and we can say this is what it is. And all of a sudden, once it's passed, it's going to be a lot harder to get rid of it. Yeah, because the Supreme Court could still overrule this, but nobody wants to be that person. Although maybe if we give Brett Kavanaugh enough beer. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. Tell me. In January 2017, a Senate subcommittee came together to hear the testimony of Nicole S. Her child had run away. They couldn't find her. They spent 108 days waiting, and the detective finally found her. There was an advertisement on Backpage, and and it was a picture of her. She was being sold. I guess a woman had found her at a shelter and kind of saw an opportunity, Um, you know, this wayward, vulnerable girl. Had she been kidnapped? She had run away. Oh, I see. Um you know, kids do that. And she found her at, you know, one of those uh, homes. And then she wound up on this site where men could buy underage children from the comfort of their own homes. Backpage was protected as a service provider. So it all really kind of started with Backpage.com. It's a classified ad website that launched in 2004. It became more popular when Craigslist stopped their adult services in 2010 because it still allowed it. It had, it had been long accused of, prostitution and sex trafficking so this isn't like the first time it had popped up there had already been charges in and then they were passed and dismissed Mm -hmm. so in 2017 a two-year senate investigation into online sex trafficking found that backpage.com had knowingly concealed evidence of criminality by systematically editing its quote-unquote adult ads Um, and they had scrubbed terms like lolita teenage rape young so they were largely protected by 230 but by, sec- by by Section 230 of the 1996 Communi- Communications Decency Act, um, which gave the broad layer of immunity to online companies from being held liable for user-generated content. And so after that, Backpages was shut down. They're, or they shut down their adult section, um, but they also got slapped with a lot of lawsuits from victims and families in relations to sex ads. So Backpage was basically kind of operating in a really kind of gray area of the law and making a butt-ton of money off of it. But the other side of it, you know, you don't go, the, com- the pendulum shouldn't swing the complete opposite way. So Backpage was doing some really bad stuff and something had to happen mm-hmm. about it, but maybe not this. Absolutely. And here's, but here's the problem though, is on April 6th, the Backpage servers were seized and shut down by the Department of Justice, FBI, and other federal agencies. And on April 9th, the federal judge of Arizona unsealed a 93 count indictment against Backpage. The creator is Michael Lacey and James Larkin. Um as well as five others at the company. 
um, with detailed stories about the victims, which are horrific. Um, but the Justice Department said that the case against Backpage does not rely on sex trafficking charges, but instead on charges connected to facilitating prostitution and money laundering. So they kind of got, they had to find some different way right. to sue them, um, which is scary. But the outrage around Backpage evading previous lawsuits pushed lawmakers to make changes to the legislation, which is kind of what you're saying. It's the wrong, it was the wrong way to do it. Right. And, but, you know, the. Because it had shielded Backpage for years. Right. Because, because we, in the United States, we do believe about, we do believe very strongly in, or did anyways, in freedom of speech and freedom of information. Um, and this idea, and we also do tend to protect companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you look at uh, environmental regulations that allow companies to pollute at insane rates. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of different things that we do to kind of protect, to protect companies' abilities to, to act more or less unfettered. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, that was what was happening. But when a woman stands in front of a bunch of people and talks about how her daughter was sold into sex trafficking right. and she found or someone that she knew found her daughter's picture on there and you have this young girl who was just upset with her parents. Who knows what was happening at home? But she ran away and ended up in the middle of a nightmare and was discovered on this Internet site. I mean, like you said before, who in their right mind is going to is going to stand up for Backpage then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially when we're looking at a country that that demonizes sex work in such a big way and is incapable of looking at sex workers as as consenting in their line of work as opposed to being victims of something. Yeah. I feel like so much of what Sesta, what Fosta Sesta <laughs> does um, is it kind of solidifies into this into law this idea that there are no sex workers who do sex work because they want to. Right. Which is so not true. Right. They look at all sex workers and feminism has been guilty of this as well. There's a lot of feminist thinkers who oh, yeah. demonize sex work and who have always looked at sex workers as victims of mm -hmm. the patriarchy and incapable of consenting to the work that they're doing because it is by definition degrading. And that is incorrect. I mean, I love Gloria Steinem, but that's the one thing that I really disagree with her on yeah. is she has been pretty outspoken about how she doesn't think sex workers could possibly be consenting to that. And right. I think that's ridiculous i think we should send gloria steinem our interview with lee yeah i would love to do that <laughs> um but opponents of the bill argue that it also wasn't necessary in the first place because the federal government already has the ability to prosecute facilitators of sex trafficking and in fact backpage itself serves as an example of that so this wasn't actually about sex trafficking right. at all that was just the impetus that's kind of like hiding you know, hiding different bills in other bills to get things passed that people wouldn't approve of. Well, that's what gives me chills, though, is like what's it, it makes you question why was FOSTA SESTA even needed if such action could actually technically be taken without it? Because Section 230, I, I, f I feel like that protects you for user generated content, but there had to be some other way of discovering that they facilitated this level of sex trafficking. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm like I'm really I'm really confused by a lot of it. I think I think so much of this comes from the fact that the internet 
has expanded at a rate that the law cannot seem to keep up with. Yeah. And because you look at the internet and the number of people that use it and the ways that people use it, and everyone kind of uses it their own way. We all have our own unique individual way of, of interacting with the internet. And there's no way, it's really difficult to legislate that. Yeah. It's also really difficult because you can't control necessarily what comes into your house through that little box that you have. So what they're doing, it seems to me, is through saying that it's about trafficking, they're siding with the most puritanical side of our society by saying this or if this content offends someone's sensibilities, then it should not be allowed at all. And whoever's creating it should no longer be allowed to operate in that way. Yeah. And that is I mean, we've talked a lot about sex ed here and about um, how the the lack of sex education, proper sex education in school, the lack of LGBTQ content largely because parents don't, some parents will not consent to it. When we spoke with those educators from Wesley University, Wesleyan University early on, they talked about needing to have a consent form from parents to allow their children to attend a sex ed class. Yeah. And there is no consent about the internet. Yeah. Sex workers have been talking about this for months now, um, about how it's going to be dangerous for everybody and nobody's listening mm -hmm. or listened. And now it's, oh, wait, now that it's going to disproportionately affect LGBT community and interracial marriages, which I heard on American Sex Podcast, which kind of blew my mind and I didn't go too deep into it, but they were talking to Kitty Stryker and she said that a study showed that there is an increase in people thinking that interracial marriages are immoral and I mean, white supremacy has become more of a concern, obviously. Yeah. And this is going to hit way more people than anyone realizes. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing that we kind of have to think about um, in general. Just to put this into context of not only the political environment that we're in, but the social environment, mm -hmm. where the, the amount of acceptable bigoted language that's coming from the main stage right now really paves the way for the smaller, quote unquote, smaller scale stuff that we're seeing day to day. So... If you look at all of this kind of dog whistling that's happening from the president of the United States yeah. and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and all of these other people who are telling everybody that, yeah, it's OK to it's OK if you don't like uh, black people. It's OK if you don't like Jews. It's OK if you don't like the LGBTQ community. And these people are coming out and they're going to start silencing and trying to make us all invisible. So Kitty Stryker made another point that I and she's the if anybody wants to know who that is or doesn't know who that is, she's the sexpert who kind of put consent culture on the map, um, made a point. This is exactly what happened in Berlin when the Nazis were rising into power. They started cleaning up the streets, getting rid of sex workers and queer people and then anyone they considered deviant. I know that's something that people keep bringing up and that I don't know if some people are tired of it, but I don't know that they should be because... <laughs> we should learn from our history and hearing that comparison right? because we should look into our dangerous parallels. And that's a really scary. I mean, first of all, anybody who is uh, tired of our current situation being um, compared to Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. you can come see me <laughs> and I will tell you a little bit something about that. Because no, fuck I, you. Well, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, before it's too late, like yeah. start making, that's what we're supposed to learn from our fucking history. Exactly. I saw this, uh, tweet a while back and I wish that I could remember who it was that said this because I've quoted it so many times but she is an expert on not only World War II but the Holocaust specifically and on and on Nazi Germany leading up to the Holocaust 
And this was a few months ago. So sorry. I just want everyone to know that like Rebecca, upon listening to me and upon me finishing my sentence, closed her computer and it was the scariest. (laughs) No, it's getting getting serious now. I don't need no notes. She was like, I'm done. I'm in. Yeah. Um, She was talking about how she had been reading that everybody's everybody's saying, if we keep going this way, we're going to be approaching what the Nazis were doing. And she was like, you guys aren't paying attention. We're already a few steps in. Yeah. So when you look at any sort of organized group, specifically if it originates in the government, and they are systematically taking the rights away from already marginalized communities, making those communities less safe by allowing for hateful languages, hateful and, threaten, hateful and threatening language, when they set the stage for somebody to, set pipe, to send pipe bombs, mm-hmm. when they keep talking about the, the Jewish agenda, when they... Uh, other like further other the lgbtq content lgbtq community all of this stuff is a way to further disempower people who are already disempowered and make minority groups feel less safe Mm -hmm. and i can tell you from personal experience that i feel less safe right now than i've ever felt in my entire life Mm -hmm. i am an american jew and i've been an american jew for a really long time and that has never been something that has made me scared and I'm scared shitless, and it's not just me. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this on purpose, and this is part of the way because the way that we communicate with one another and the way that we that we are able to harness our power is through communications via the internet. And if all of these things, if all these communications are being watched like this, and if we're being, if we can be kicked off of the internet for for offensive language. Mm-hmm. We can't organize and we can't fight back. This is our this is our best tool. Mm-hmm. And so, who's to say that it's not offensive for us to be ta- having this conversation right now? Yeah, this could qualify, and that's really fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. So this is. I don't think that I really. Um, I don't think I really allowed myself when we spoke with Lee all that while back understand exactly how scary this legislation is, but it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. The more I look into it, the more truly afraid that I am, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah, because it's not just about, you know, the Kelsey Mole vote. It's about, you know, looking at, and we've talked about this before, but this YouTube channel that we both watch called uh, Uppercase Chase, who does a lot of of information about trans rights and who a lot of of younger trans people who are just, they need it for survival. They need what he's giving them. They need that community. They need to find other people so that they aren't alone. And if those avenues are cut off, then we're going back to the dark ages where people can't can't find their community and you need community to survive. Yeah. And so they're cutting people off from their lifelines. And this is one of the ways that they're doing they're it. They're silencing everyone. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Happy show. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got... Um, we got a little. We got a little uh, write up. Yeah, we got a write up, and as it relates to Fosta Sesta, mm-hmm. so Jesse, tell them where uh, they can find this article. Uh, you can go to eff.org. The uh, title is "Blunt Policies and Secretive Enforcement Mechanisms: LGBTQ Plus and Sexual Health on the Corporate Web" uh, by Jillian C. York. So go check it out. Our producer has a few really awesome quotes. Oh, yeah. Do you want to read that super great quote? Uh, So our producer Kate was in this article and she was talking about our show. And she said, quote, 
The issue isn't really that we get flagged as much as when we reach out over and over again to try and solve the issue or defend ourselves against their content policies that were met with radio silence. I wish sometimes that I could argue with a guidelines representative and hear a valid reason why we are denied access to their platform, but we're not even given a chance to try. It's either change or disappear. Uh, my videos just got mass age restricted again. Are there still anti-gay ads on my videos? Yes, there are. And YouTube said that they removed it and they removed some of them. People have been saying that on the videos that are monetized, they're getting some weird videos about conversion therapy. Oh yeah, a video where I'm talking about my body and like how I feel about my body and how, you know, dysphoria and like is gone when I think about these things. And I was so empowered. I was like, yo, they changed the algorithm. It's green. And then what happens? The second I press publish, two weeks later, it goes yellow. The second I press publish. Dad jokes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jesse, mm. how do you tell the difference between a frog and a horny toad? Uh, oh my God, I don't know. The horn? <laughs> <laughs> a frog says, ribbit, ribbit. And a horny toad says, rub it, rub it. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> Papa, you dirty. Whenever the cashier at the grocery store asks my dad if he would like the milk in a bag, he replies, no, just leave it in the carton. <laughs> You're going to love this one. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? <gasps> Why? Because the pee is silent. <laughs> <laughs> you should put that in your repertoire just like Words. for everyday life. Oh, I'm definitely going to yeah. use that again. Yeah. Oh, I should bring up my favorite one. My favorite joke of all time. And it might not be. It is a dad joke. I want to hear it. A fish runs into a wall. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a Frank family special. How do you catch an elephant? Uh, with another elephant? Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Probably could catch one with another elephant, actually. No, you dig a hole. You put peas all around the hole, and you fill the hole with ashes. And when the elephant comes to take a pee, you kick it in the ash hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> that a, sounds like a Jody joke. Yeah. <laughs> should hear my grandma tell it. Awesome. Mama. Yeah. Why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if what? they had four, they would be chicken sedans. Oh. <laughs> you're American when you go into the bathroom, and you're American when you come out of the bathroom, but do you know what you are while you're in there? European. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> on your really healthy vaginal discharge. <laughs> Uh, we really want to hear from you, so please email us please at welcome email. to my vagina at gmail.com. Please review us. Please give us stars. Yeah. Yeah. On anywhere you listen to us iTunes, Stitcher. Check out Jesse's videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Review her there. Subscribe. Yes. Like stuff. Yes. Subscribe to our podcast. Yeah. Also, check out our Instagram uh, because we're killing it uh, mm -hmm. at welcome to my vagina. And follow us on Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Don't forget to check out Rebecca's awesome writing at FranklyRebecca.com. And now you can even see blogs by a multitude of people at the blog tab on uh, Welcome to My Vagina HQ. Welcome, <laughs> go to WelcomeToMyVagina.com, click on blogs, and we have some really, really, really awesome stuff out now. We do. Really awesome. We're also still looking for more writers. Ask your friends. Yeah, get involved. Yeah. We, we really want to hear from you. We want different point of views. Give them to us. Give them to us. Give them and, to us. Uh, our great producer who's creepily appeared over my shoulder. <laughs> 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 um, 
And ch- so check out, uh, so we wanted to give a big thanks for our producer, Kate, and uh, check out all the other awesome podcasts that are being produced at More Banana. Yeah, like There Will Be Porn, World mm-hmm. Stealers. Frau Pow. Yeah. Um, uh, just listening. Awkward Sex oh, no. in the City with Natalie Wall. Also listen to I'm Listening with Anita Flores. Anyway, bye. Oh. See you next Tuesday. That's right. <laughs>